G'day everyone, Rob here. I always say the Doctor Who show has the best listeners in the world, and as I was preparing to edit this episode back in December, Carl David Austin pinged me on Facebook to say, hey, haven't you guys done the next list makers topic before? I looked and looked again, and he's right. On a previous list makers app, we did indeed do our top modern stories, which tonight's Best New Who Stories app is basically a carbon copy of, just with a different sounding name. Or is it? While Carl is absolutely right, and we had simply forgotten making the old app, Mia Culpa, I know there are differences between tonight's app and the older app. So, even if you've heard the previous app, sit back, relax, and see how our tastes have changed since then. Many Doctor Who fans will know that the list you make today won't always be the list you make tomorrow, and so it is with tonight's episode. Anyway, enjoy, hope you're loving 2023, and again, mea culpa. Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And this is episode 22 of The List Makers. Our topic, Rob, we recently did top five classic stories. That was tough. Now we've got an equally tough top five new Who stories. Yes, and aren't we spoilt for choice? The show's been back for 17 years now, Dave. Can you believe that? Absolutely. My shortlist was very tough to whittle down. But as always on The List Makers, we will each make a list. We will compare lists. We'll chat about it. We'll see how many snaps we have. And we'll do it all in 20 minutes. We will. Let's dive into this because... It's going to take a while. I haven't done this for a while, Rob, but this time I'm going to pull out the uh, the fact that there are no rules other than we enjoy a good chat oh. and, and, and do the six picks. What have you done? Six picks. Okay. <laughs> I haven't done six picks for a while, but I'm doing six picks because this was tough. It was. I'll just say at the top, there were six I couldn't not have. Right. And, okay. and, 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 and I could draw a line after six. I couldn't draw a line before six. So that's something we'll talk about. And look, I will dive in. I'll make my list. Number six, I have gone with Midnight. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a story that I wasn't as blown away by when I first watched it, but every time I viewed it again, and I have gone back and viewed it again many times, I have enjoyed it that extra little bit more and appreciated it that little bit more. It does a couple of things I love Doctor Who to do, and the one of them is to create a world. And although it's only a standalone single episode, you really do get a feeling of what this world is like, how the tourism works, how the environment works, what it looks like. And it feels alien the whole time, and I love that. On top of that, it also has a creepy monster. It has a creepy monster you don't see, which is really good Doctor Who. It's got great characters. It's got a really good guest cast. You know, Even somebody like Colin Morgan, who wasn't huge at the time, but is now quite, quite a name. It's a really strong guest cast. And I just think it all works really, really well with a strong tenant performance. Good. Number five, I have gone right back to season one with the Empty Child Doctor Dancers mm -hmm. because I think this is as well-written a story as you get in Doctor Who. You have that classic going back in the past to World War Two, but... As usual with Doctor Who in World War II, it's not the Doctor in Germany fighting Nazis. It's a different aspect of World War II. In this case, what it was like living through the Blitz. Again, really strong guest cast. Really strong guest cast that blew me away at the time. Really good characters. Really creepy. One of the creepiest Doctor Who stories across the whole last 59 years. That imagery of, uh, of the Doctor turning into... Not our Doctor, um, 
the, the, the medical doctor whose name escapes me, it's not Cornelius, something like that. Um, Constantine. Do- Constantine, thank you. <laughs> that, that moment where Dr. Constantine turns into the zombie creature is as terrifying as Doctor Who gets. It's scary, it's funny, it's witty, it's production value is fantastic. It's a really good story that has stood up now the test of time. I'm sticking with Series 1 with a story that I ummed and ahed about, but when I thought about it, I just couldn't have it in my top four, and that is Dalek. Mm. This is quintessential Doctor Who distilled down to an awesome 50 minutes. Once again, it is the classic tropes of Doctor Who, but done with modern budget and a modern take. It is, in fact, a base under siege story, but like the horror fang rock, the monster is locked in with us. The Dalek is incredible. That design is iconic. It's one of the best things that New Who has ever done, that, that Dalek design. It looks good. It's powerful. It's terrifying. The cast is really good. But again, it's got that wittiness. It's got some really fun moments. It's got a moral point. Uh, look, I'm not entirely sold on the last few moments where the Dalek wants to touch the sun, but I'll go with it because that's the vibe of RTD's um, <laughs> yes. t- Doctor. And, and I think that that's really effective. Okay. Number three is another one that has crept up my uh, list over the course of the last 10 years or so, and that is The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Oh, yeah. Now, this, again, when I watched it the first time, I thought, this is really good. But I didn't go as I did with something like The Empty Child or with my last two picks. This is a classic. This is a born here classic. But again, every time I watch it, I find something new in it. And it's aged so phenomenally well. Again, it's scary. It's got a great monster. It's got really good cast. Gabriel Wolfe doing the voice is just superb. It's got really good ideas. It's got moments of action, moments of tension. It's got everything you want Doctor Who to do. And again, it looks stunning. And one thing we weren't talking about with our classic picks, we said they, you know, they all had good production designs and they all were very clever in how they used the budget. But with New Who, we can say these are ones that just look stunning. Mm. And The Impossible Planet absolutely does. And one of Shooty Gatwa's favourites based on things he has said recently. Oh, interesting. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. Number two is one that did arrive, and I knew as I was watching it that this would be a classic for the time, and that is World Enough and Time the Doctor Falls. Mm-hmm. This is superb. This is the best of Moffat's era all put there together. You've got time paradoxes. You've got clever twists. He brings in a bunch of villains. You've got somehow they'd made 1966 Cybermen look good for mm-hmm. the modern series. You've got Capaldi at his absolute best. You've got moments of moral clarity from the Doctor, good lines. You've got that real feeling of hopelessness and despair and the Doctor having to save people. It just works so, so well. And it is, for me, the best of the Moffat era and very worthy being at number two. Yes, Number one will not be a surprise to you, I think, Rob, and that is my favourite New Who story, which is human nature. I just find this utterly, utterly watchable. And look, that's the criteria I used for for, for putting together my list. Do I pull this out and watch it and enjoy it? 
And human nature, I absolutely do. I think it is the best performance we get from David Tennant because he does get to lurch between the Doctor and John Smith. And that does allow for him to do some new things with the character. And frankly, to get beyond the that sort of smarmy 10th Doctor that I don't enjoy mm. and get the John Smith character, which I really love. I think the way he interacts is really, really good. Martha, up until Bill, was my favourite new Who companion. And I think she gets a really good role in this because she basically becomes the Doctor for a story. Uh, people criticise her because, oh, she has to do, like, poor black servant stuff. But no, she gets to fight against that and show yeah. why it's wrong. I think that's really strong. Again, a great guest cast. Amazing guest cast. It's got those moments, the moments of the boys crying as they have to destroy the scarecrows, the moments in the hall. It's just so, so wonderful and good. And I even like the fact that because the Doctor's been human, he feels human emotions and therefore wants to punish the baddies. And I think that it works really well just that once. Mm-hmm. They're my six, Rob. Are we going to have snaps? We had record snaps last episode. <laughs> Are we having record snaps this episode? We uh, we have 50% snaps. Oh, another threesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. Let's hear your list. Of course, my list is only five long, but... Because yes. you're, you're, you're a good rule-abiding podcaster. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> In at number five, Dave, I've got Vincent and the Doctor. Good. Now, spoilers, this will be the only single episode that I have on the list. All the rest are two-parters. And it battles its way into the number five slot against a lot of really, really, really good stuff, which I'll mention at the end. But for me, this story is just beautiful. It's not a huge, the universe is at peril story. At its core, it's that idea of what if you could show someone the future? What if you could show them that they had an effect, show them that they mattered? So to me, the fact that it's Van Gogh is is awesome, but it's also irrelevant on some levels. You could do this with a ton of people through history and suddenly it wouldn't be a story about depression at all. It might be a story about something else, whatever was happening in their life. It could even be a story about a non-famous person, although that might not be as interesting to the general viewing audience. It's just this core idea of showing someone the future. And I think that's great. I love it. In at number four, Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. I think this still makes my list because of the profound effect that the first series of Doctor Who had on me when it came back. Once we get into the second half of that series and we add Jack and Mickey and Jackie are established and everything's just firing on all cylinders, we get this two-parter and the Daleks are back properly. The threat is real. We have a massive cliffhanger where you genuinely can't wait until the following week. Mm, yeah. And then the actual finale with the Doctor tricking Rose to leave him, his speech to her, and then she fights her way back to him, the reveal of the bad wolf. It's a huge, bonkers, beautiful piece of TV from 2005, and it's still great. So it makes number four on the list. Yes, yeah, so that's two non-snaps, mm-hmm. which would suggest that the next three are going to be snaps, but which ones? In at number three, Dave, Human Nature and the Family of Blood. Nice. <laughs> a story that many fans had at least some sort of heads up about, thanks to the Virgin novel that it's based on. And oddly, something where, although it was done as a novel first and with a totally different Doctor to boot, everyone who watches it comes away saying, 
that was bloody great. You'd expect there to be more of a backlash. You'd expect people to be saying, oh, the book's better. But I've never actually seen that. It's just a wildly weird and entertaining story and the audience runs with it. It's an absolute no-brainer to have on the list today. Yes, I agree. Yeah. In at number two, The Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. (laughs) Oh, nice. Similar territory to my number four pick today, which was Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. We're back in that first series. We're meeting Jack for the first time. His personality is just blowing everyone else off the screen. He's mm. this pansexual hand solo con man who can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. He's breaking hearts. He's just a breath of fresh air as far as companions go. But he's only part of the story. You know, the actual concept of these nanogenes and what they've been doing and the children trying to eke out an existence among the bombs. It's a very, very good setting. It's a very interesting tale. And although it will become annoying later on in the series, and I mean future series, not just this one series, the idea of everyone living is just joyous here. Yes, you know, yeah. it becomes a bit of a thing with Moffat later, like you know when he kills people off. They're never actually dead, you know, blah blah blah. But no, here here it's great. In at number one, World Enough and Time and the Doctor <laughs> Falls. This has to be my number one. It gives me spare parts vibes in the first half. It's a Cybermen done well tale in general, and they are so rare. The second part has that awesome Capaldi speech to the Master and Missy. And of course, it has the I Thought There'd Be Stars line, which should have been Capaldi's final moment and regeneration. There's just so much good stuff in these two parts. I watched it again between Flux and Whitaker's final specials, and I thought, this isn't that long ago that Capaldi was the Doctor doing all this, yet Doctor Who feels so utterly different to what I'm currently watching. The, The writing, the acting everything i i know it's a big regeneration episode but still it's remarkable versus the past five years in particular the end wow what a list yeah and look i said in my first pick there was stuff battling it out with vincent and the doctor stuff i truly love amy's choice a christmas carol the doctor's wife mummy on the orange express midnight which was one of your picks school reunion father's day none of those are here you know, so I, I got it on a sixth, seventh, eighth pick if I if I uh, broke the rules, Dave. No, absolutely. So look, let's just start by saying we had three snaps. Yes. World Enough and Time, Empty Child, Doctor Dancers, Human Nature, Family of Blood. Yep. If we were to say that that is the Doctor Who show official top three new Who stories, I would be very happy with that set of picks. Well, it has to be, I think. Yes. <laughs> you know, and and I and I agree with that. If I was trying to introduce someone to Doctor Who, ooh, I might not start them with World Enough and Time and The Doctor Falls because there's so much tied up in it, like Missy's arc and all of that sort of stuff. But I would happily put on Empty Child and The Doctor Dances or something like that. Yeah, and two Stephen Moffat scripts out of those three. Yeah. And, uh, and a couple of uh, Russell T Davies in with our picks as well, though not quite as high. Rob... We, we both talked about trying to sort of fit things in. And the big thing that I had was when I looked at my list, it was very weighted towards the earlier part of the new series with World Enough and Time being a standout sort of from the Moffat era. Mm-hmm. I did look at what was missing and I had Vincent and the Doctor competing for that last slot because I think it is the best Matt Smith story. And, and, and I also had Amy's Choice, which I think is another really good Matt Smith story. So that, that was competing, but... I couldn't knock anything off the six for it. 
Demons of the Punjab, my favourite Jodie Whittaker story. Again, I would have liked to have it in there because I would have liked to have the the Whittaker Chibnall era represented. But could I take Midnight off to put Demons of the Punjab in? No, no I couldn't. Mm. So had we gone to ten, I wouldn't. I would have had Vincent. I would have had Demons. Uh, I would have also had Journey's End. I also would have had um, Pardon of the Ways, which made your list. So yeah. So so look that that was competing for me as well and they all were very very worthy and and i think after that you start to go to a few more sort of um uh guilty pleasures or personal choices rather than just the big ones that are top five limits you to but yeah look vincent was definitely something that i was very very much trying to get in there to, to, to try and get a matt smith represented and look between us we've got him in our, our mix yeah yeah absolutely and look based on those runners up i mentioned and how i was sort of struggling for that fifth spot i think with regard to jody because i i like some jody stories and it has been the era we've just watched i think she'd probably start to come in around 15 so she'd make it into my top 20 she might even get a couple into my top 20 but it is the earlier stuff, and look, for, for me, there are four episodes, technically, from from the first series 17 years ago, and and I mentioned in my comments on, on Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways that that series did have a profound effect on me, especially when we got to the second half, and I was like, oh my god, Doctor Who is back, it is good, I'm not embarrassed by it, um, I could show this to other people, and I actually did. Yeah. more recent series of Doctor Who I might not be doing that I'm not calling friends and saying come over and watch this thing called Flux it's it's great yeah and look that's something I didn't mention when I was talking about Dalek is that again that personal connection for me because I've, I've said it before on many podcasts I watched Rose and thought this is pretty good I watched the next couple and thought oh this isn't bad watched the Slovene 2 part and go look it's a well made show I'm not sure it's for me mm. watch Dalek and go on okay I'm in Yep. I'm all in with this. And then after that, you know, it was Dalek, it was Father's Day, it was Bad Wolf Party of the Ways, it was Empty Child Doctor Dances. Like, it just it just blew us away from then on. And Dalek really was, for me, the moment the new series landed, which is a big deal. But the, the other point I wanted to make, sort of feeding off what you said there, Rob, is that the earlier seasons have an advantage in a list like this. Because if one of my criteria is, have I put this on many times? Is it one that I go back to? Is it one that I enjoy more every time I watch it? Well, the stuff from 2005 has had 17 years for me to let it digest and to watch it and to pull it out. Impossible Planet has had 16 years. Human Nature has had 15 years. These are all stories that have had a lot of time to settle in the memory and just to be watched again and again pulled out when you want to just watch a piece of classic Doctor Who and enjoyed and appreciated more. Whereas, have I only watched Demons of the Punjab once? Yes, I have. Have I only watched Prisoner of the Judoon once? Y- yes, I have. Now, I suspect probably over summer I'm going to go back and re-watch some of those classic Jodies that I remember well and see how they aged and see how they feel. Does Fugitive of the Judoon work as well on the second and third viewing? Or once you know what's coming, is it like... Well, okay, I know what's coming now, this isn't as good, or are those interactions fantastic? That's something I want to see. Does Demons of the Punjab land in my heart as strongly on repeated viewings as it did the first time? I, I don't know. And- I, I, I get what you're saying, and you're being very kind to the current era, but I'll counter it with the flip side of the coin, which sure. is this. 
I watched that Eccleston series and I watched the first Tenant series and such. And as soon as the DVDs came out, I bought them and rewatched and then rewatched again within probably the next year or two. With the Whitaker era, I have bought each series as it's come out on disc, but I've not opened any of them. And now we're going back some years to that first series of hers. And I still haven't had the motivation, even though I've bought the thing, it's arrived in the post. Do I want to watch it? No. So in the early days, yes, we've had more time to watch these things, but I actually had motivation to start watching them almost immediately as the discs arrived. I still don't have that motivation with Whitaker, which is not to say I won't have it one day, maybe in another year or two. I don't know. And and look, maybe we're just burying the lead in some ways by sort of looking at the stuff we didn't pick and maybe apologizing for it by saying the thing about the RTD era, love it, hate it, whatever, is that it is incredibly watchable. Yeah. And so it is very easy to go, I'm going to pull that one out and I'm going to watch it. And, and, and you know, I will pull out Dalek and go, that was really enjoyable. And it, particularly if you're streaming, it says, and the next episode's playing in three, two, one. You, go, you know what? I'll watch the next one too. And yep. then suddenly you've got, oh, well, Father's Day's next. I only want to watch that. Oh, oh now the empty and, and you just sort of keep going. Mm-hmm. But look, as I say, I, I didn't think that stuff like Midnight, Impossible Planet was a story that I sat down and as I watched it, I've gone, this will be my top five forever compared to World Enough and Time, which I did sit there and go, this is a classic. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that those ones have built up in the memory. All I'm saying is I'm giving the Whitaker era time to build up in the memory. But look, that notwithstanding, I am not apologizing for the picks we've had. I think between us, we've had uh, eight picks, seven picks. Mm-hmm. So look, really, really strong lists there. And uh, I'm very happy, particularly with that, that top three that I think we both snapped on. Yeah, concur. Well, that has been distilling the whole of the new series down to a few classics. Uh, you may or may not agree with us. And look, given the variety, you probably don't. So let us know what your picks would have been and what you thought of our combined top three. But once again, we are reaching into Turlo's Hat of Rassilon and... Here we go. This is the first, Rob. Oh, okay. We have a split topic. Oh, tell me more. For this one, Rob is going to give us his top five Eighth Doctor Adventures books. And oh. Dave is going to give his top five Virgin New Adventure books. Crikey. Okay. So top five of those Wilderness Years books, one from each of our favourite sets. Okay. I can think of my top two straight off the top of my head. I can think of my top ten. <laughs> of course you can. I will be, I'll be, I'll, I've used my, my uh, I've used my six now. I try never to go back to back on sixes, so I'll be tight next time. But look, we're well and truly run out of time. Thank you for listening. I've been Dave. I've been Rob. We'll make some more lists soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you.